It has become dark so quickly that the screen in front of Marianne is lit up like a fire. She leans back in her chair, her shoulders stiff and tight. She blinks, as if a quick slice with her eyelids will wipe away the scene. But of course it doesn't. Marianne is still in the flat, at their table for two. The bottle of red in front of her is empty, and her ashtray overflows with little grey caterpillars. And on the screen, an icon for a dark web browser sits where Greg tucked it, hidden away from her eyes. What do I do? Unable to process the discovery, instead she carries the ashtray into the kitchen and dumps the contents in the bin. A stale cloud rushes up at her. Clumsily, she rinses a layer of dust from a single heavy glass tumbler that's been unused for a long time. She has to clamber into the sideboard to grasp the near-empty bottle of Macallan. You can take the boy out of Scotland, he'd say, late at night, then fall asleep after two soft sips while she was still brushing her teeth. The bottle was a gift from her father-in-law to his only son, the Christmas before Greg died. He received one every year and spent the next twelve months slowly finishing it. Her fingers tremble as she lights another goloise and sucks it deeply. Then she takes a sip. She sits back down with a thud, takes another slug of whiskey and winces. She stares for a moment as her pale fingers wind around the slim white cigarette as if they belonged to someone else. Somehow, it's nearly eleven at night. Where has the time gone? She should focus on the here and now and close this old laptop down, maybe even wipe its contents or throw it away. The thought of destroying everything that's left on here sends her heart racing even harder. But why was he going to that place? And why didn't she know? Could this be connected to Jenna, some kind of sick obsession that united them? A creeping fear closes in on her. She'd found porn on his computer last time she went grief-snooping. Of course she had. Telltale links in a search history, links she didn't need to click on to understand. Nothing weird, though. Nothing you'd need to go to the dark web to find. And yes, over the years, they definitely cooled from the feverish, intensely physical early years into something more comfortable, less frequent. They were both so busy and Greg was so stressed. If anything... It was her who was frustrated and occasionally found herself climbing the walls, missing passion and human touch. What more did he want that Marianne or videos of random glistening bodies weren't able to provide? She closes her eyes. Thoughts of skin and metal, of blood and fear, race across her mind. She doesn't even know what she's trying not to imagine. Some things are better left unseen. But her heart just hammers harder. She opens her eyes and it's still there. This little icon, winking at her like Alice's white rabbit. Marianne staggers through to the kitchen, pouring the last from the whiskey bottle into her glass. She cracks her knuckles, releasing a burst of pressure, and then pulls a fresh carton of cigarettes from the cupboard where food used to be kept. She lights up and smokes fast, then sits back down, still staring at the screen. The ash spills in knots all over the table as her hands tremble. Fuck it. Marianne clicks on the icon and holds her breath. It takes far longer than a normal browser to open. So long she thinks it might not work, but then finally it appears. 
At first, it looks familiar. A recognisable browser frame around four tabs already open, presumably from the last time he logged on. She clicks through them. The first one is an email service she's never heard of. There's no pre-filled information, no way to log in. She tries his usual usernames and passwords, but the site does not yield. So he had a secret email address. She clicks on, dreading how much worse this could get, the pastry and wine sitting heavily in her stomach. The next tab is filled with chaos. It takes a while to make sense of what she's seeing. It's not a page of horrific porn, at least. Instead, it's rather like an old-fashioned-looking forum divided into sub-forums. She scrolls down carefully. It appears to be some kind of marketplace, with each sub-forum offering a different speciality. Guns, pharmaceuticals, hardcore porn of every flavour, even snuff films. The kind of stuff she'd heard the Year 12s joking about. She'd thought they were exaggerating. It can't be real, surely. Why were you here, Greg? She stares at the marketplace and tries to make sense of it. Alongside the sale links, it's full of weird lingo, disgusting pictures and gifts, plus a hodgepodge of inane topics, grim rambling and braggadocio. And so much of the content shared here seems to be cruel. Greg worked with victims of human trafficking. He helped desperate people access help. He may have been quick to temper in his final months, but he was kind and good. He was not the sort of person who would find this entertaining. But then Greg hadn't seemed the type to keep secrets from her, or know how to use the dark web. He didn't seem the type to contact his ex in a fit of pique, but he did. I'm begging you, please don't turn your back on me. When Marianne and Greg first met, he worked for an animal charity. He'd turn up on dates with little ribbons of fur on his trousers from the fluffy visitors to the office. People were who he always wanted to help, though. He'd told her that on their very first date, squinting into the sun overlooking the Thames. People who'd been treated like animals, modern-day slaves. But when he finally got a role at the small charity Hidden Humans after a few years, he became more serious, more troubled. Every week there were more people he hadn't been able to help as much as he wanted, vulnerable people, who'd slipped through his fingers and back into the world of cash landlords and paperless jobs at best. The boomerang back to exploitation was an ever-present risk, even for those who had got out before. He gave it his all, turned himself inside out trying to do more and more. Their last holiday, the summer before he died, she'd read thrillers by the pool and knocked back Aperol spritzes until her head swam. He'd paced around and struggled to relax, He'd been stressed, wondering aloud how long he could keep doing such a thankless, frustrating job. The relentlessness, the sheer numbers in need had crushed him. He was a rescuer, a doer. In the thick Italian heat, he'd spent his time scooping tiny frogs from the pool and setting them free, while she'd watched from behind her sunglasses. There were more little kickers churned in the filter than he could possibly have saved. How could that Greg have laughed at jokes like the ones she can see right now? How could he have spent time somewhere that offers access to watch live executions? Then she sees it. Now it starts to make sense. A sub-forum all about buying people. Women, mostly. 
available to the highest bidder. No photos, just physical measurements and a guarantee of clean health. Oh, Greg, ever the good Samaritan. He must have come looking for people who'd slipped away back to black. She wonders if he ever saved anyone here, ever disrupted anything, if any one of these ads are even real. He never told her anything about this place, never so much as hinted. She often joked that he never stopped talking, always one silly monologue going on. But actually, about the serious stuff, he kept mum. She clicks away to the next tab, guilty that she'd thought the worst. It's another chat forum, but far more basic, less busy. A meeting point for activists by the looks of it. Others like him, big hearts and wide eyes. Is that fair? For all his naivety, Greg wasn't so blithely trusting. He didn't even talk about this place. Or maybe he just didn't trust me. She thinks again of his email to Jenna, an ache building behind her breast. Unlike on the other tabs, here she can click back and retrace Greg's steps. She clicks once. The sight churns so slowly she imagines hearing cogs turning. Everything is so much slower down here, in this cesspit of a place. Eventually, the screen comes alive again. The subject of the post reads, Assassin Supermarket Hacked. She reads onto the main body of the post, disbelieving and confused. Usual host caveats, but apparently someone's hacked the database of the Assassin Supermarket and you can search for anyone with a price on their head. Worth checking to see if any of the trafficking bosses are on the list, or anyone else that you're looking into. Unlikely that any of us will have gained that kind of attention, but advise you check anyway. Here's the link. Her gut reaction is that this is a hoax. It looks like a very strange link, even ignoring the extraordinary claims of what will be found there. It's nothing like normal URLs. An unmemorable spit-up of numbers and letters. She won't click it. Far too cautious, far too wary of technology and of dangerous secret places that she doesn't understand. Instead, she clicks into the final tab that Greg left open on this browser and realises that while she would never click on such a link, a link to a supposed hit list database, Greg did. Because it's right here in front of her eyes. The site is misleadingly simple for something that deals with death. Roughly chucked together with a search box, it looks like it was created by a child. Want to know if you're on a hit list? It says. Search your name here. There is no back or forward arrow here, so she cannot see who Greg searched for. Presumably the names of traffickers, perhaps other activists. Did he look for himself? Should he have looked for himself? Did he make any enemies while he was rummaging around down here, trailing God knows what and God knows who? For a year, Marianne believed without question that Greg died in an accident. But what if... She's tapping the keys before she can stop herself. Surely he wasn't killed. Surely not. But... But... The cursor seems to judder away from her as she types and she wonders if it's the whiskey or the website. Gregory Darrow. Enter. Nothing happens for a moment, and then the site wheezes into action, and a line of text appears above the search box. No results. 
Try again. She tries. Greg Darrow. Enter. No results. Try again. She exhales. Greg was knocked off his bike on a busy London road not far from here, the 13th cyclist to die in the city that year, a classic hidden run. He was a mild-mannered man who was liked by everyone he met. Yes, he could stretch his remit at work and go above and beyond to help those who needed it. But that meant lending people his own money or going on protest marches. Maybe it meant trying to track ex-clients down through this kind of back channel, but not putting himself in the sights of a fucking assassin. What is wrong with me?'